All right, well, wherever you're watching around the world throughout the week, you ask your question, you click the right arrow, and I showed up. I'm sorry. So thank you for hanging out with us today, wherever you're watching or listening around the world. I'm Tyler West. I get to serve as the founder and lead pastor here at Divine Church, and I'm so thankful that we are in this series, What Does the Bible Say About? Because no matter where you are, whether you follow Jesus for two weeks, two years, 20 years, kicking the tires of who Jesus is outside of a picture on your grandma's wall or a baby in a manger that we're about to set up because it's time to set up Christmas decorations after next week. I mean, everybody forgets Thanksgiving anyway. So like, it's going to happen. Whatever that is, whoever you are, wherever you are, trying to figure out who Jesus is, we all have questions. And what I love here at The Vine is every year we take a moment to pause and we, we try to answer those questions about church, about Jesus, about the Bible, about Christianity, whatever that is, we try to get those sent in. And we may not answer every question that's sent in, but we try to answer a different question every year. We try not to keep answering the same question. So I will tell you, what's really cool about the interwebs is you can go back all the way through our series as we do this every year in the fall, and maybe your question is one that we've already answered. So you can go in there. So this is what we're going to try to keep doing. We're going to continue in our series, What Does the Bible Say About? And today we're going to answer the question, What Does the Bible Say About Reward? Reward. Because here's the thing. All of us like rewards. Don't act like you don't. We all do. We're about to go dress as a dead person next week and knock on strangers' doors and get rewarded with candy. Like, let's be real. Next week, when we go into Halloween, we're going to do that. And quite honestly, we like good rewards. We know the neighborhoods that put uh, floss in our trick-or-treat bags versus those who put in full-size candy bars. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, parents, if you've got toddlers who can't quite do it yet, make sure you go to the full-size candy bar community. Get them used to it now and let the people know that your child likes your favorite candy, not the kids yet. You just, just soak it up while you can. Like, all the way it is, and then you'll figure out where to have the good snacks. You know what I mean? You know what to do. Parents, you know what I'm saying. So wherever you are, that's what we get to do. We love rewards. So much so, hey, we tailor credit cards around rewards, don't we? Like we say, hey, this thing offers the best reward. This gives the best reward. So we are geared psychologically and soul logically, if we will. We are geared in our soul toward rewards. That's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. And so as we talk about reward today, we're going to be in a space and a place where we've been kind of over the past few weeks with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. So if if you're new to Christianity or you're really trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, read Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus just goes out there and he tells you what it means to follow him. And so if you're trying to figure out what that is, the Sermon on the Mount is the most preached, the most taught teachings of Jesus, and yet it's the hardest one to follow. And so if you've got your Bible today, we're kind of picking up a little bit where we left off last week. We're going to be in Matthew 6 today. If you want to go ahead and get your Bible to Matthew 6, and we're going to be in verse 1 through 8. And so if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free for the ask. We have them available here in person uh, in our garden area. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, shoot us your address. We'll mail you a free Bible. We'd be honored to do that. But Wherever you're watching, our Bible production team's incredible. I say it every week, it's going to be on the screen wherever you're watching, but maybe you like to do things digitally. Alex mentioned it in our welcome. You can download our free Vine Church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app. It's going to ask for your phone number, uh, your grandmother's maiden name, and the last four digits of your social security number. I'm just kidding. It's not going to ask for all that. It is going to ask you for your phone number, and it's going to shoot you a link. When you get that link, you're going to see at the bottom of those tabs, 
a, a space and a place that says notes. You can take notes. It's going to have all of our scripture in there. It's got its own Bible in there. And also, it'll tell you all about the vine. If we connect with you or serve you in any way, we have a prayer wall. We have all about the different things that we get to be a part of at the vine. So download the Vine Church app today. So let's get to Matthew 6, Matthew 6, and talk about this thing called reward this thing called reward now last week as we were going into this what jesus is doing in the sermon on the mount really is he's taking our natural shape our natural reaction to things and he's reforming us into a new way which is his way into the kingdom way he he's changing our shape and the way that we react to how we should be reacting how we were created to react and it takes our natural reaction and flips it upside down on its head last week we talked about our enemy and he flipped it upside on our head and said hey what you're supposed to do for your enemy is forgive them love them pray for them so countercultural, so radical. Jesus is about to do the same thing today in Matthew 6, 1 when it comes to reward. So we're going to start in verse 1 and go verse 1 through 8. Verse 1 says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So if you've got your Bible, if you're taking notes, wherever you are, those first two words, circle, highlight, remember that. Like, Jesus comes in and says, be careful. He just comes in, he slaps a warning label right on it from the beginning, and he says, be careful when it comes to your righteousness. Be careful. He is saying from the beginning, this is what it's going to cost to follow me. This is what you're doing. He goes and says throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he says, hey, if you're really truly following me, this is what your life is going to look like, the shape of you, what your reaction's going to be, how you're going to walk, how you're going to live this out, is this is what it's going to look like. So be careful if you're caught in the wrong reward be careful because if we don't get this right literally it will blow up in our face he's teaching us we can't go out there trying to practice our righteousness so that everyone could see how great we are we go out there because we know we are made righteous only through him to show how great he is and so Jesus starts off by saying, be careful. Be careful when you practice your righteousness in front of others. Jesus tells a, a story in Luke 18, verse 10 through 14, about a Pharisee and a tax collector when it comes to righteousness and justification. And what happens is the Pharisee goes to pray in the synagogue. And when he goes up to the altar to pray, he says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like the evildoers the sinners and the murderers. But most importantly, thank you, Lord, I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast five weekly. The tax collector is standing in the back corner of the room, beating his chest and says, God, I'm not worthy, a sinner, to be in your presence. Jesus says the difference in the two is the Pharisee announced his righteousness before the Lord and how great he was and did not walk away justified. But the tax collector who knows that he has, who is, knows he's a wreck, knows he's not worthy to be in the presence of the Lord, walked away justified, walked away righteous versus the Pharisee. So we have to be careful when we announce our righteousness 
Because when we do, we're working for something, and it's not the reward of our Father in heaven. This is what Jesus says, how that plays out. Matthew 6, verse 2 says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their word again, reward in full. See, what I love is Jesus is about to go through some statements here. It's not going to say, so if you give, if you pray, so when you give to the needy, so when you pray. So the imperative there is that we do it. He says, this is how we do it. We don't just do it to receive recognition. We don't do it so that our name is on the gymnasium. We don't do it so that our name is on a brick on the walkway in. We don't do it so that the school has a chapter named after us. When we give, we aren't doing it to make our name more famous. We're doing it to make his name more famous. Now listen, if somebody gives something in your honor, that's different than you trying to honor yourself. There's a completely different thing there. So Jesus is saying, hey, when you give to the needy, just because you gave to the person on the way into the grocery store, don't announce it to everyone in the grocery store hoping you can get a better discount. You know what I mean? Like he's saying when you give to the needy, don't, don't go and announce righteousness. So here's, kinda, here's something that rocked my world as I was getting through this, and, and it, it, might, it might make more sense here what I'm saying. Throughout this week, I was studying for this, and I saw this somewhere. Whoever did it, I'm sorry. I'm not giving you proper credit. It's okay. You'll figure it out. I hope you're watching. Uh, the statement was this when it comes to announcing our righteousness. Not everyone can afford the price of humility. So let that sink in for a second. Not everyone can afford the price of humility. Humility means I neglect the recognition of man, and instead, I work toward the Father, the Father in heaven. I work toward the will of the Father in heaven. I, I work and I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to get recognized. Humility means I'm not trying to be recognized on this earth. I'm not trying to be recognized by man. I'm trying to make something else more famous, which is Jesus' name. And so Jesus is saying right here, when you give to the needy, don't announce it. Pay the price of humility, and your Father in heaven sees it, and he will reward you. This is where we get stuck in this, and I'll be real with you, and this is what breaks my heart. Just as I talked about that Pharisee and the tax collector, we still live in the Bible Belt, uh, even though folks say that we, we're not blah, blah, blah. I'm not worried. The church is still rising. The church is still the hope of the world. If only three people show up, it's fine. I seem to remember when Jesus went and ascended to heaven, there were some people gathered in a room and the Holy Spirit fell and they probably didn't have many of them there, but then all of a sudden 3,000 were saved. So it don't matter how many people show up to church every week, Jesus is still alive. The Holy Spirit is still moving. So don't get caught up in that thing. So this is what I'm trying to say when it comes to that. We've been taught in the right things to say, the right things to pray, and the right things to do. So much so that if we're not careful, what Jesus is talking about is if we're not careful, we will serve God out of duty and obligation, which is religion, instead of delighting in him. Two different things, completely different things. Those who serve out of duty are still an obligation, are still trying to earn God's love. Those who are serving out of delight know they are have it. And the reason it breaks my heart is this. Jesus reminds us at the end, the king will separate the sheep from the goats. 
okay? Both cried, Lord, Lord. Both knew the name of Jesus. Both understood who Jesus was. The difference were the people who were the sheep went out. They, they pled the cause of the orphans, the widows. They gave to the needy. They visited the prisons. They went out and lived this out, this life of humility, doing the Father's will. And those who are the goats said, but where did we see you, Lord? What am I saying? The goats served out of duty and obligation, and they missed out on God completely. Those who delighted in God just wanted to be where he was, and that brought them to the prisons, to the orphans, to the widows, and given to the needy. And so what we have to be careful of, and I just want to be real with you, you can be in Christ Jesus and still be serving out of duty and obligation, but you're going to miss out on the fullness Jesus died to give you. But the heartbreak is, some may think they know Jesus, and they're trying to earn his love because of how they give, how they fast, and how they try to be righteous in their own mind, and they're going to miss out on Jesus completely and spend eternity in hell. And that's why we do what we do every week. We don't want that for anyone. We want Jesus to be your treasure. We want you to delight in the Lord. Because when you delight in the presence of God, you'll see he delights in you. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, when you give to the needy, do not announce it. He uses this word as hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. So let's talk about this. Why does this matter? Hypocrite, hypocrite. The Greek word for hypocrite, we've talked about this before, is someone who plays, someone who puts a mask on. They're an actor in a play. They know all the lines. They've rehearsed all the lines. They know all the right words. Sound familiar? what we just said. They know all the right words. They know all the right things to do. And they put this mask on and they try to be something they truly aren't. And the thing that would break my heart so much is if someone is trying to be a Christian but don't really know Jesus, you're missing out. But you see, when you go different into that Greek word hypocrite, it doesn't just mean an actor that plays a part. It also means someone who is self-deceived. In other words, some folks live in their own world so much that they miss out on the world around them. We know those folks. They're caught up in their own world and themselves so much, they can't even see what's going on around them. They're self-deceived. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when you give to the needy, don't be self-deceived because that's not what's going to make you righteous. That isn't what's going to get you to heaven. That isn't what's going to get you in, in a relationship. With, with God, the creator of the universe, that's just giving you a religion to follow. And Jesus didn't die for us to follow a religion, so this is what Jesus is saying. Don't be a hypocrite and be self-deceived. So how do you know if you're self-deceived? Are you like that Pharisee we just talked about? God, I deserve this blessing more than they do. God, I'm more righteous than they are. God, I have it together more than they do. God, I've done more for you than they ever will. That's when you're deceiving yourself. And if your heart is in that place right now, this is today to, the day to let it go. To just lay it at his feet and let him shape you and, and mold you into who you were created to be. Because if we're standing on that pedestal, here's what happens. You see, Satan, his ultimate goal is for us to be destroyed. Absolutely, destruction. But here's the thing. He's not going to do it all at once. He's going to destroy us by distracting us. So in other words, what leads to destruction from Satan is distraction. So this is my little example, so hang in here with me. How many of us remember the game Battleship? Wasn't that a fun game? So here's what Satan's going to do. See, Satan knows where the ships on your board are. You may think he doesn't, but he does. 
And he's not going to sink the ship all at once. He's going to get you one red peg at a time. Ship by ship by ship by ship, just one at a time. He's not just going to wipe you off the board. He's going to have some that come real close and just miss so that you're focusing on what he's doing instead of delighting in the Lord and focusing on the Father. So Jesus says for each and every one of us, know that Satan wants to sink your battleship, but he's not going to do it all at once. So know what you're anchored to. Know what your delight is in. And how do we see that when we give to the needy? Look at verse 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will what? Reward you. There's that word again. Reward. Reward. See, we talk about this. We're going to talk about it even more next week. But your heart follows what you treasure. And you treasure what you delight in. Now, oftentimes you'll hear me say it, and we say it a lot, because Jesus talked about the love of money, but some of us, we don't treasure the love of money. We don't treasure money. We treasure the applause of man. We treasure the likes, the retweets, the follows, the, the audiences, what, the, the, the platform. We, we, we chase that, and we may not even realize it. And so when Jesus says that, you can still be in him, but when you give, when you beat your chest and talk about how much you've given, if you're not giving God credit for it, you're missing out on the reward. Here's what Jesus is, here we go, this is even better. If I give someone uh, one trillion dollars, <laughs> I get the trillion dollar minted coin, I don't know, if, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about, praise God's name, but I give somebody a trillion dollars, and I make sure that I have my name on the building, everything's there, it's the best picture of me in my best shape, chiseled, rock and roll, ready to go, non-GI issues, you know what I'm saying, not when I'm grimacing, like I'm ready to go, you see a big pot of banana pudding and, and macaroni and cheese, for like, like I'm there and I announce it to everyone and I show all the pictures of everyone I've given to and how great I am, I, I still may get to heaven. If I know who Jesus is, yes, I can get to heaven. And if I've confessed him as the Lord of my life, but here's the thing. Miss out on the full reward. I receive my reward on this side of eternity, not there. So what is Jesus teaching us? And this may be counterintuitive, so hear me out here. I'm going to tread lightly here. Heaven has rewards, and there is a reward system. There's some cash back, y'all. Like, there's some good rewards. There's some, some frequent flyer miles that comes in heaven. And listen, it's not about works. You can't work your way into heaven. But there is something about receiving our reward in heaven that's different than receiving it fully down here. There is a reward system. So when God sees what you do in secret, instead of announcing it to everyone, when you do it in secret, all of a sudden it's going to be different because the full reward is going to be seen in eternity. And here's why that's so important for us. If God loved us enough, he sent his one and only son to live the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, fulfilling the law, righteousness. Then he goes to the cross, hung naked on it, bearing our shame, our guilt, and the penalty of sin, which is death yet still loves us enough. He rose again on the third day. The Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead is the Holy Spirit that is inside of us when we receive the free gift of salvation. If that is our reward on this side of eternity, think of how great it is in heaven. 
Like, isn't that the greatest reward? Freedom from the slavery of sin? Now we don't have to wait. We can live that out now. And if that's a small reward in the glimpse of what's in heaven, I'm telling you what, I want my reward over there because I'll be fine with that reward here. I can't wait to see what happens. Maybe it's a big old bowl of macaroni and cheese. Maybe it'll be even better. I don't know what it is. But wherever we are, we have to understand when we announce what we've done, we miss out on the full reward. It doesn't mean we don't celebrate it. Like we celebrate what we've given to, but we know the reward isn't full because we won't see it on this side of eternity. So wherever you are, if you're trying to announce your righteousness and announce how good you are, realize you're missing out on the full reward. So in other words, in your life, there should be some things that you've given to no one knows about. But the Heavenly Father. See, we have Jesus' recorded ministry, but eventually we're going to get to heaven And here are the stories no one knows about. Here are the things he did no one knows about. Here are how he picked on James just a little bit. And that's probably why James didn't like him until he rose from the dead. You know what I mean? Like he picked on his little brother a little bit. We're going to hear some good stories, some rewards. So Jesus is saying there's some type of reward for us. And we have to understand, we have to be careful. That's why he started with that, what that means for us. Not religion, but what we delight in, we'll see how much we we can experience that reward. If you're with me, give me an amen. We're almost there. I hear some amens. Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Look at this. And when you pray, not if you pray, not good food, good meat, praise God, let's eat. When, not, not, not that. When you pray, do not be like the, here's that word again, hypocrites. Do not be like those who are self-deceived, who are playing a part. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, And on street corners to be seen by others, telling Tyler he's going to hell because he's going to a wrestling event. I'm just kidding. That's not in there. I don't want to defame the word of God, but that is what happens. Jesus says, don't be like those people. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, there's that word again, reward you. your father sees done in secret will reward you see this is why this is so important for us should we let people know we're praying for them yeah absolutely that's encouraged but sometimes in our life just like everyone doesn't know what we've given to sometimes the holy spirit will prompt me to pray for someone and i don't know why i can either be obedient to it or i cannot but in that moment the holy spirit saying hey you can be a partner in what God is doing in this person's life, even if you don't know what it is. So I'll pray. Doesn't mean that I go and announce it everywhere. Uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't tell people you prayed for them, but here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes what God will do is five years down the road, five months down the road, six months down the road, 10 years down the road. We may not even see it on this side of eternity, but what ended up happening is that person will cross your path and you'll catch up with them. And you'll say, man, I've been praying for you. I don't know why, but I've just been praying for you. The Holy Spirit told me to pray for you. I know this sounds weird, but hang in here. Try it. You'll be surprised. And that person will start telling their story. I've had it happen to me personally, and they'll start telling their story and say, yeah, it's crazy. Like six months ago, on this day, it's like everything changed, and I don't know why. And the Holy Spirit reminds you the day that he told you to pray is the day that everything changed in that person's life. And you got to partner with being, you got to be a partner with him in what God was doing. You got to celebrate it. This is why that's important. 
If you would have told that person you were praying for them right then, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't have mattered. It doesn't mean that it didn't make a difference. It just means, holy cannoli, the story you get to tell that person in that moment is, hey, I've been praying for you, and I don't know why, but I have. And they tell you that story. Just the joy, the delight in that. Like, all of a sudden, they're like, holy cannoli, like, what is this? And maybe they don't know who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, you get to explain to them what you are talking about. That's what it means, like, what you're praying in secret. So why is this so important, and what am I saying when it comes to prayer? And what is Jesus saying when it comes to prayer? Like, we've talked about prayer, we've taught on prayer, we've talked about what that looks like, but we all have an inclination, a driving to be in the presence of the divine, the presence of the creator, to be in the presence of creator God. We have that yearning in us. You see, Jesus showed us how we do that, how we approach that. And what he's saying here that we can miss is he says, hey, don't be like the hypocrites, self-deceived. So in other words, don't pray to get something. Don't just pray so that you are rewarded. Pray to, pray to do the Father's will, to be a part of what he is doing. But he says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But look at verse 6 again. When you pray, go into your room. See, the Greek word for room is tamion. Tamion. It means secret place. But you got to dig a little deeper in there. Secret place. So Tamion, Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, go into your Tamion, the secret place. So why would we have a secret room in our house? Don't think horror movie. Think something else. Think DuckTales because that's how I roll. Why do we have a secret room? What is that secret room? The Greek word Tamion literally means this, the treasury. The sacred, secret place where your treasure is hidden. So when I pray, I get to step into the treasury where my treasure is because I delight in the Lord, not out of duty and obligation. Christ is my treasure. Like, I step into the treasury to pray. When's the last time we did that? I'm guilty of it. Like, do I treat prayer like I'm stepping into the treasury? The treasury, the very creator, the treasury. Like, how much different is that? What do you do about that room when it's a treasury? Look at your safe deposit box, your treasury, that safe space. What if we looked at that? What if our posture of prayer was we stepped into the treasury? Because that's what Jesus did. His posture of prayer was, I step into the treasury to do the will of the Father before I go and drive out demons, before I go heal people, before he even went to the cross, his posture was prayer. So much so it was done in secret because the disciples were sleeping. What if we treated prayer that way? Stepped into the treasury. Why is this important and what is so important with that? And this is what I love that's even better, that, that just rocked me even better with this, outside of the Tamion, with our posture of prayer into the secret place in the treasury. What do we do? We close the door and pray to our Father who is what? Unseen. We can just gloss over that and not think about it, okay? But this is so important for us. And this is the dots getting connected. The humility of Jesus is he put on, he's God, fully God, fully man, okay? He came down and did what we couldn't do for ourselves, paid the price that we couldn't pay for ourselves so that we didn't have to stay in slavery to sin anymore and instead can step free from it and have life and be in a relationship with creator God, right? Did you see the humility of the Father who was unseen? What does that mean? 
Every morning when the sun comes up, does God get a cold water and just splash it in your face and go, wake up, I made this, praise me. Does he, does he say, hey, all that grass in the field, it's mine, praise me now. Like, does he demand it from us? No, he's a gentleman. He allows us to delight in him. And when we do, we see his delight in us, the Father who was unseen. So why was Jesus walking in humility? Because he was doing the Father's will. The Father who walks in humility, unseen. See, he's unseen, and by faith we see him, and we see his delight in us, and we get to delight in him. He is not making us serve him out of duty and obligation. He is giving us the opportunity to be a part of what he is doing. And so wherever we are, I wonder if we would always live that way, like going into this secret room, praying first, stepping into that, and knowing that God, God is shaping us to be who we were created to be. Last two, last two verses. Once again, what does Jesus say about our reward? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans with one eye open, you know, just trying to keep going on and on and on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. In other words, it's not our words, it's the posture of our heart when we pray. Do we treat prayer? Do we treat giving to the needy? Do we treat going before the altar? Do we treat it like we're stepping into the treasury, that we're stepping into the secret space, that we're stepping into the throne room, and we are in audience with the very creator of the universe? Do we do that? And it's not the these, the vows, the 17 different names of God. It's not any of that. It's the posture of our heart to be shaped by him. Do we do that? Because if we understand that, God may not wake us up with a cold splash of water in the morning, but if we delight in him and we step into the treasury, we understand that he never gets tired of us jumping on the bed and waking him up. Because he never goes to sleep, but just hear me out. He never is like, just one more hour, kid, please. Like he's never, parents, you know, don't lie. He never, he never tires of us. He never tires of holding us in his arms. He never tires of that. He delights in us. And if we understand that, we won't serve him out of obligation and religion. We'll serve him out of delight. We'll serve him out of relationship. We'll serve him to be all that we were created to be, not for our righteousness, but because of Christ's righteousness in us. So before we get to the end, what does the Bible say about our reward? We can receive it in full this side of eternity or the other side of eternity. But the choice is ours. Sometimes we have to announce what we've done. I get it. Sometimes we do. I mean, I, I, I get it. But do we give God the glory for it? Because I will tell you, every time we've been here, I love every week, anybody who ever leads us in the welcome knows this. Like, when we talk about what we've been a part of, we always give God glory. Because it's only through him that we get to do it. It's all his anyway. Like, it's only through him we get to do it. But when we stand up here and say how great we are because we've done it, how great the things we've built, that's the day when we're shutting this place down because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> as long as I got a breath in me, it's not going to happen. 
And I will tell you, the heart of our Vine fam isn't that. It's not to build our name and have our name in shining lights and flashing lights. It's to get Jesus' name more fame because he is the only hope we have. And I'll be honest with you. Like I said, if my reward this side of eternity is Jesus, and it's just a foretaste of the glory divine in the old hymn that we sing, imagine the reward system in heaven. And I don't mean you go in there and talk about your upgrades and how great you are in the mansion. What floor am I on? Ha ha. You know, like, what is it? Like, do I get some upgrades? No, no, no. It just means that maybe our reward is seeing those we prayed come to confess him. They did it, but we didn't get to see it on this side of eternity. For the generations that we've prayed that haven't taken their first breath yet, we get to see that reward. And how great is that, that we get to be a part of it? And so, what's the difference in duty and delight? How many parents, how many times do your children want to obey you because they have to? Zero. <laughs> but why? Oh, here he goes. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? I still ask God that. We answered that question the other week. Uh, but why? But when your children know they delight in you and they're bringing a smile on your face and what they're doing, how much more do they want to do it? Don't they? I mean, really, sometimes. Listen, here, how about this? We're about to have rewards and delight system. We either have Elf on a Shelf or Ho-Ho or Santa Claus or whatever we have. Santa's watching. Oh, something's happening, and there's delight. Kids will be out, serving out of duty only on Christmas Eve. They're going to promise you all the way through that they're going to be good. But on Christmas Eve, they're going to make sure. We're going to make sure because Ho-Ho's not coming down that chimney if not, right? Like, they'll make sure that day that they're good. And then after that, it all falls apart that morning when the presents are all open. Duty versus delight. But don't you delight in them opening those gifts? Isn't that the best thing? So here's what I wanted to share with you as we get ready to go to a, a close here. And, and, and I've shared this before. You can't see it as much. Uh, I have some, some ornaments here that, that were smaller that I've been blessed with giving. But if you can see this, uh, how many of you remember Peanuts? The Peanuts gang? Yep, yep. No, if you ever saw a picture of Tyler West when he was little or even older, you always saw this. The kid who sucked his thumb and had a security blanket, and when everybody says, don't suck your thumb, it'll mess up your teeth, I didn't have to have braces, and I had a gap in my front teeth, and I still sucked my thumb after my adult teeth came in. Ha, just saying. Anyway, we won't open that, so don't be hating. So, just saying. But if you found me somewhere, I had my security blanket with me. Now, I could talk to you psychologically what that was and why I had it. I'm not, I'm not going to open up that where we are, but I had my blanket. I still have it. It's in a fire safe because one day if I have a kid, I'm going to give my kid that blanket. And here's the thing about my security blanket. I carried it everywhere. It went everywhere. Like, it didn't matter. I will tell you, my mom would get so happy when I wore the silk off that blanket four times. Every time the silk went away, she would be so happy because she would say, Finally, the kid's going to give it up. And my ma seal would come along and sew more silk on it. Love that woman. She knew what she was doing. She sewed more silk on the edges for me. So I always had my silk on my blanket, my, my security blanket. I carried it with me everywhere I went. And so when I say that, why am I sharing that with you? Well, the difference in duty and delight is what Jesus talked about in Revelation 2 was, what was your first love? Spouses, this is when you look at each other, but if not, don't worry about it. But you remember your first love? Not just a person, but really, what was the first love? Maybe it was a favorite candy or something like, my blanket, that was my first love, y'all. I ain't gonna lie to you. It was with me everywhere I went. Like, what's your first love? 
See, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, the only thing that he held against them in Revelation 2 is they forgot their first love. And the difference between serving out of duty and delight is when you serve God out of duty and obligation, you'll forget your first love. But when you serve out of delight, you won't forget your first love. See, I carried that blanket everywhere. I was so excited to carry that blanket, that security blanket, everywhere I went. And you know what? I got made fun of for that blanket, but I didn't care. I got told I needed to give it up. I never did. I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. I carried that blanket everywhere. Why? Because I delighted in it, and it gave me love. See, some of us right now are like that church in Ephesus. We've forgotten to delight in the Lord, and we've forgotten our love. Forgot our first love. See, we worry about what people think about us when we have our security blanket. We worry about what people say about us when we have this blanket with us. When we go out there and, and it's on us and we have this, we, we, you know, I, I would tell people, this is my blanket. I wasn't afraid, I'd tell you. We worried. We, we're afraid to tell people who Jesus is. We're afraid to tell people that he is our security. He is our only hope. We're worried what they think about us. So we try to play righteous acts and we try to do works to earn his love when we forget he's just there with us all along. So maybe today all that you needed to hear Jesus is so much better than a security blanket, y'all. But maybe today all you needed to hear was to be reminded about your first love so that you can delight in him. Because as you see this, the reason I love this little thing here, the truth is when we delight in the Lord and I have the security of him, it's so easy to have my best friend sit under the security of it as well. When they sit under the security of my blanket. They sit under the security and the covering of Christ. It's so easy for me to do that and share that when I delight in it. See, I'd carry that blanket everywhere, but I, I wouldn't carry my wallet, you know, because I didn't want to pay for nothing, but I would carry my blanket everywhere. <laughs> Serving God out of obligations is like carrying your wallet everywhere you're going. Serving him out of delight is having that security blanket with you knowing that it's going to be with you. And so that's what I want to say today when it comes reward. Are you just serving out of duty or obligation? Are you serving out of delight? Are you walking knowing your reward won't be seen this side of eternity? Because here's the thing. Here's the real deal. I'm going to do this because I don't want this thing to break. Uh, here's the real deal. I know I asked you what your first love was, and I, I'm being real. It was my blanket. It is what it is. Um, the first love we actually have is what we see in the mirror. If you don't believe that, ask a baby after it's born. <laughs> its first love is itself. It needs to be fed. It needs to be changed, watered, bathed. That's the right word. Watered. <laughs> it needs to be bathed. It needs all of these things. I mean, you can't do it right away, right? Like they have their first bath along down the line. But, you know, all of those things, right? And you see, we can spend our whole life thinking our first love is our only love and it's ourself that will make us serve and do the right things out of obligation. And my friend, that is religion. And Jesus came to break us free from that and it will only lead to death because we can't save ourselves. But you see, when we realize that we aren't our first love, that God first loved us and made a way for us to be safe and secure 
and saved from ourself because honestly, we are narcissistic wrecks of human being without Jesus. Like we will serve ourselves to our detriment without Christ. But with Christ, we die to ourselves daily and can walk fully in being who we were created to be because we're not worried about what the mirror says to us. We're sitting in the throne room of grace. We're sitting in the treasury with God. And so today, maybe that's what you're doing, and this is what God wants you to know. You may think you're your first love, but he loved you first. So much so that he made a way for you not to earn love, but to live out of the love he has for you. And I'm not gonna share with you this magic formula. We're gonna pray a prayer in a second. It's not something that you, it's not the words, it's the faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10 reminds us what it means to be saved. It says this, it says, if you confess, if you declare with your mouth, sorry, we're, instead of confess, it's in a different version. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We're gonna say a prayer right now, and the prayer is a prayer of faith to say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you are my only hope. I can't save myself. I can't, I can't earn my salvation. I can't do anything without you, Lord, but with you, I can do all things. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me for the benefit of those who are coming to faith for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you to boldly respond on the count of three. If for the first time you can say that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you have given your life to Jesus, you know that he is the savior of your soul. He is the only hope that any of us have to be set free from sin. If it's the first time you have ever declared that and believe, I'm gonna to count to three and ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're in this house, if you're watching online, there may be a hand that's raised. If you're watching online, there's a link that you can click that says respond to invitation. Wherever you are right now, we wanna celebrate this step with you and help you grow in being who Christ created you to be. Maybe you're listening throughout the week. Reach out to us at 864-580-6698 or you can reach us in the app or prayer at thevine.tv. We would love to celebrate this with you. And for the rest of us, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. And what I'm just gonna ask for in this prayer is us just to be reminded of the delight we have in the Lord, that he would posture our heart with Christ as our treasure, giving him all the glory in everything that we do. Right now, maybe he, he's working on us, showing us the, the areas in our life that we're serving out of duty. And I'm gonna pray that he shapes us to walk and delight in him. So dear Jesus, 
Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity that we have been able to come into your house and lift your name high. Jesus, thank you that we can delight in you because you first delighted in us. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So Jesus, just like that security blanket, you're always with us. You're walking with us. You've gone before us. You know how this ends. You, you are our Savior. You are our leader. You are showing us a new way, Jesus. You are leading us towards being who we were created to be as we step into heaven for eternity. So Jesus, I just pray today, where we've been going through the motions, serving out of duty and obligation, that you would remind us to delight in you. And how do we delight in you, Lord? By knowing that you are our treasure. So today, Jesus, would you just ignite our hearts with that? Would you allow us to just be able to share you with everyone you place in our path? And would everything we do bring you the most fame? We love you, Jesus. And I pray as we just sing and worship in this song, Lord, that we would just be immersed in you, we would sink into you, and we would, be, we would just delight in you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Standing here in your presence In a peace so relentless I am one By perfect love Wrapped within the arms of heaven In a peace that lasts forever Sinking deep In mercy see I'm wide awake Drawing closer by grace and all my heart is yours. Oh, fear removed, I breathe you in, I lean into your love. Oh, 
All right. Awesome day. Anybody thankful that Jesus is alive? We can be thankful. He is our delight. He, we get to step into the treasury with him. So today, when we pray, today, when we get to be a part of what he is doing, just know that you went to the treasury first. And isn't it great when you go to the treasury first? Like I said, I was a DuckTales fan. Scrooge McDuck swam in them gold coins. You know what I'm talking about. So when we are in Christ, we get to be immersed in him. We get to share him with the world. And we aren't afraid of sharing him with the world. And that's what it's all about, church. And so I'm so thankful that we aren't afraid to do that. And we aren't afraid to celebrate all that Jesus has done. We're going to do that next week on Halloween Sunday, four-year celebration. Come just as you are or dressed up for Halloween. We don't care. It doesn't make it. Just don't scare the children. That's all I'm asking because they're going to be dressed up too. But if you want to dress like the Star Wars trooper or something and the costume don't fit and you got belly button hang, you're still welcome in the house of the Lord, wherever you are. We want you to come hang out with us. Have an awesome week. Always remember the best is still yet to come.